Week 17, True Authority. Well, again, we're in Romans chapter 13, and just to give you a quick recap of Romans chapter 12, we discussed the message, Make a Choice, that we have to make a choice that will define all other choices, to present our whole selves to God. God doesn't want just a part of you. He wants the whole thing. He wants your flesh. He wants your spirit. He wants your soul. He wants all of it. Because of what he has done for us. He says, I have made you a worthy, righteous, acceptable offering. Not by what you did, but but by what Jesus did. He cleaned you. He purified you. he, He bought you for a price. And he made you an acceptable offering. So God says, now that you're worthy to be acceptable, walk as that offering. Present all of yourself to me for the glory of God. And the way you do that is you don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. You're transformed. And the way you start this transformation is changing the way you think. We've got to understand that we've got to start thinking in a different way. It's not about our culture. It's not about our likes. It's not about the world. It's about a kingdom culture, heaven on earth, and that's where we have to start getting our mind on. Not let me try to get the world to work for me, but I'm going to start working heaven in the earth. I'm going to walk as the mirror image of God, bringing his culture and spreading it wherever I go. The altar is not the area between the front row and the stage. If you are the temple of God and you carry the presence of God, then everywhere you walk is an altar and therefore everything you do should be a worthy sacrifice and an offering for his glory. The way you talk to people, the way you go to work, the way you handle your enemies. The way you handle your enemies. The way you handle the people who don't like you. And some of y'all got a lot of people that don't like you. We talked about how we all have individual functions as one whole body. And the biggest miss in the church is that we have this idea that the guy with the microphone has a more important function than you. We've made these terms in the church like preacher or pastor, and then lay people. Many don't know, but lay actually comes from Nicolaitans, which the Bible speaks against in Revelation. God hates the idea of separation between clergy and lay people. That is a lie. If you want to get down to it, we are all representatives of God on earth. I have a different function than you do, but it's not more important than your function. And when you start to understand that, then we understand the importance of honoring each other's individual functions. It shouldn't be the goal of everyone to become a full-time minister. A full-time minister, if you will, only has one job, to equip the people of God to go make his name great, walk in their giftings in what they are called to function in. That's it. It's not come here to get saved. The focus of the gathering of the church should not be win the lost. What? Did he just say that? Hear me out. The focus of this meeting should not be win the lost. That's why a lot of churches have not deep teachings because they're trying to get everyone saved every Sunday. 
The purpose of this gathering is to equip you to go and win the lost. To equip you to go and transform the world from a worldly culture to a heavenly kingdom culture. Now, there's an issue coming up in Romans 13. Because we love to talk about changing the culture. And then we get blindsided with a scripture that everyone has questions about. And if I'm going to stay true to not skipping verses, we ain't going to skip this one. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2, it says this. Everyone, shout everyone. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Oh, crap. What does that mean? Right? So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Well, that brings up a lot of questions for me. Because if you're telling me that everyone was in authority and God planned them all, tell me about Adolf Hitler. If everyone's meant to be in authority, tell me about all these corrupt leaders that kill thousands of people. What exactly does the scripture mean? Now, we can interpret it in an American English context and take away the real meaning of it, or we can get back to what Paul was talking about in the day he wrote it to understand the principle he was speaking of. Y'all ready? Back in this day, there was a group of zealous Jews, and they did not recognize any king except for their God. And when they didn't recognize any king except for their God, they were rebels. They didn't listen to any authority. They didn't pay their taxes. They didn't do anything unless it was for their God. They were zealous. They were on fire. Right? So Paul, after writing in 12 about this humility, he starts to address the issue of submission. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. The word for submit here is actually from a Greek word called hupotasso. Hupotasso. Not hippopotamus. Hupotasso. Hupotasso is actually a word coming from a military term. It meant to line up under. To place under or rank under. The word actually described the arrangements of the military implements on a battlefield for effective warfare. Let me say that again. The word submission in the Greek simply meant to get placed for effective strategic warfare. In a non-military use, it meant to voluntarily have an attitude of cooperating. Is this interesting? Y'all quiet. Submission meant follow the direction of those in authority over over you. 
it did not necessarily mean obedience. Submit to the direction of those in authority over you. It did not necessarily mean mean obedience. It was get lined up in strategic positions for effective warfare under those that have authority over you. You may not always be able to obey the people over you, but you can always have a heart of submission. You may not always obey the people over you, but you're called to always have a heart of submission. Paul spoke about this last week. I'm going to read three, uh, three or four verses to remind you in Romans 12, 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. You know how you are honorable? You're in submission. Do all that you can to live with peace with everyone. Can I just say it? God is not going to ride in on an elephant. He ain't going to side with Democrats. He ain't going to side with Republicans. God's God. The scripture says, never take revenge. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We're in a day in this country where your political beliefs cause a divide. We are the most divided United States of America. We're divided by race. We're divided by political view. We're divided by denominations. It's divide, 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 divide. And for some reason, the answer to this divide is let's create movements to further divide our divide so we can get prideful about our divide. That's been the answer. And God says... Live in peace with everyone. It ain't rocket science. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Submit to authorities and let God justify the cause. I will take revenge, Scripture says. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry... Laugh at them. No. Feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. You don't conquer evil by rebelling and calling it a justified cause. Now, this is just the beginning. I've got nine pages on these two verses. So give me some time. The most effective way to war with ungodly leadership is to position your heart strategically in a way called submission. I'm going to be very blunt and very clear because I don't care what people think of me. This country is under ungodly leadership. Plain and simple. I'm not going to get into who should have been there, who should have, would have, could have. No. What we are in is under ungodly leadership. And how most of us approach ungodly leadership 
is talking about how bad the leadership is. We talk about how horrible they are, how I can't believe they're siding with this, I can't believe they're siding with that. Let me say it again. If you know they're ungodly, why are you surprised by their moves? The most strategic way to war with ungodly leadership is to position your heart strategically in a way called submission. When you're submitting, you believe that God will accomplish his will in your life even though you're in a place that seems like your purpose cannot be fulfilled. In other words, when you submit to those over you, your attention is focused on God and not the ungodly leadership. Because you're shifting your trust from who's in leadership to God taking care of unjust things. Got people leaving already. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Let me show you an example of what submission without obedience is. Look at Acts 12, 1 through 11. This is about Peter. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. He imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. That's 16 soldiers guarding one poor Jewish guy. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night, they didn't try to go bust him out. They didn't create a free Peter movement. They didn't say Peter's life mattered. They started praying. I'm sorry. I'm not. The night before Peter was placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers, while, remember, the other 16 are guarding him. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. The angel told him, Get dressed, put on your signals. He did, now put on your coat. Follow me. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking? I'm behind a jail cell. You want me to get up, get dressed, and follow you? How dare you, God? But isn't that what most of us do? We're in this prison of what we think we can or can't do because of our sin and because of what we've been through. And the moment God says, follow me, we instead of getting up and getting dressed and going for it, we start every excuse as to why this can't happen. And I believe the church is doing it right now in America. We can't do anything because of the leadership. Don't limit God's power to ungodly leadership. God has not turned his back on America. I'm going to get into that in a minute. The angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, now put on your coat, follow me. Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't even believe what he was doing. He didn't realize it was actually happening. 
They passed the first gate and the second guard post, came to the iron gate leading to the city. This opened for them by itself. They didn't have automatic gates back then, people. So they passed through, started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him, and Peter came to his senses. It's really true. And the Lord sent his angel and saved me from Herod and, what, and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do for me. In our flesh, when we get imprisoned by unjust things, we think, what do we need to do to free ourselves? Submission says, I broke your law by speaking of the God that you don't believe in. I broke your law by doing things that you've told me not to do. I'm going to submit to your process of going behind bars because I'm going to let my God avenge. And because he submitted to the process of being put behind bars that he wasn't worthy to be put behind, God freed him. Peter submitted to King Herod's authority, never doubting what God wanted to do, and God busted him out. Jesus submitted to authorities, and he was exalted. Look at Philippians 2, 5-11. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He submitted to the ways, even though the ways were not of God. What was the outcome? Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name of all, above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth, under the earth, and every tongue declare that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Submission is not about agreement. It is a sign of who you truly put your faith and trust in. Everyone must submit or strategically rank themselves under those in governing authorities. Does this make sense? Look at verse 1 again. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. All authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed here by God. All authority comes from God. Those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And the big question, was Biden placed by God? Was Trump placed by God? Was Thomas Jefferson placed by God? Was Adolf Hitler placed by God? Those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Paul was talking about something very specific in this area, and when we read just the simple English verse, we think everyone in authority God chose. I'm about to blow your mind and say, not exactly. Y'all ready? Paul was talking about the government of a kingdom. In a kingdom, the people didn't choose the leaders. They were put there by lineage. God says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. King Saul was a horrible king, but King Saul was put there by God. I believe King Saul's original purpose was to raise up David to appoint him. But he chose to go against his purpose and become a corrupt king when he saw how great David was. 
It wasn't that God made a mistake by placing Saul as king and said, let me replace him with David. It was, this is the king I need, and I know what's going to happen, and it's all in accordance with my plan. And no matter what Saul does, David is going to become king. I'm sorry, I'm yelling. Saul was never a mistake. He was placed by God. King Herod was placed to be a king. He chose how he would respond to Christ and killed him. But you see, in a democracy, those that govern are not placed or appointed. They're voted in. Here's the... Is this... Y'all following this? Here's the problem with voting. Romans 3, 14 through 16. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do. You're neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're lukewarm, since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out my mouth. Here's the issue of voting. Some voters are hot. Some voters are cold. And the decision is called lukewarm. Nope. So a vote doesn't necessarily mean it's God's decision. But that doesn't mean that you're excused from submission. Because whether it be a kingdom or not, we're called to submit so we can learn to depend. Not on the system, but on the Father. Stop taking my lines. I'm just kidding. Submission doesn't mean that you agree it was of God. You agree with how God wants to go to war strategically. Because when you're submitting to leadership, it's for effective warfare. That means when you're not submitted, your warfare is ineffective. So you can call an ungodly leader like President Biden names all day long. It's ineffective because you're not submitted in strategic warfare. What kind of strategic warfare? Do good to those people so that heaping coals are reaped upon their head. You know what that means? They're overcome with conviction because you're overcoming their evil with your good response. Okay. Romans 13, 2. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. They will be punished. What has God instituted? It's not necessarily saying the person in authority. He's instituted the principle of submission. Not necessarily all leaders unless you're speaking of a kingdom. It says don't rebel against them, submit, and then follow God's leading. When you don't rebel, stupid stuff starts to happen. Like Peter walking out of a jail cell. Like the king resurrecting from the dead. 
to rebel. To rebel is to, is to not submit, but there are times that you don't need to obey while you are under submission. Is this making sense? Look at Acts 4, 16. What should we do with these men? This is the government talking about, you know, crazy Christ followers. What should we do with these men, they ask each other. We can't deny they performed a miraculous sign. Everybody knows about it in Jerusalem. So they can't get on CNN and spin the media. Everybody knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda further, we must warn them to not speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and they commanded them, don't you ever speak or teach in the name of Jesus ever again. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you? Rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go. Because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Peter and John did not rebel at the threat of imprisonment for preaching Jesus' name. They just simply said, we know what the consequences are, and we will take whatever you give us, but just know we cannot obey your request. Submission without obedience. You can do what you want, and we will submit to the consequence, but we will not shut our mouths. Why is it that you think Jesus prepares us for the promise of persecution? Submit to the persecution and focus on the one who will accomplish his purpose. They can tell me all day long one day that we cannot meet in a building that they technically own. But we ain't going to stop meeting. And if they put me in jail, so be it. Submission not obeying. Big difference in rebellion and rioting. I will submit to whatever process you got, government, but I will not obey your requests. Because I believe that I'm walking in accordance with what God wants me to do, and I believe in his power more than mine. I believe in his, the power of his voice more than the voice of rebellious, not submissive people. You submit to the process, but you don't necessarily have to obey the request. And it has to do with one thing, giving glory to the name of God. Is this okay? Yeah. Okay. If it's not, deal with it. Now, on the other side of that, let's read verses 1 through 2 again. Still on 1 through 2. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. All authority comes from God. Those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Anyone who rebels against authorities, rebelling against what God's instituted, they will be punished. Something else he instituted. Just because the leader is corrupt, doesn't mean that God can't use it and doesn't mean that God did not want him there. It's obvious when a leader is not leading under the command of God. 
But what if God wanted a corrupt leader in place to bring the awakening needed on behalf of a nation who ain't listening? I can't tell you if our president was meant to be or not. Hitler, corrupt leader, agree? If you don't, we got deliverance sessions afterwards. <laughs> Hitler was a corrupt leader. But imagine if he would have used his skill and talent for the glory of God. He convinced an entire culture that it was a good idea to exterminate Jews. Could you, can you imagine what he, what he could have done if his focus was on let's turn Germany into a kingdom culture? Hitler, corrupted leader, the people or the senate, the, the dictatorship, they have voted him in because of their wants. So God says, okay, this is going to expose stuff. So let me find the ones who are going to submit but not obey. And we know the story of Germany. There was a lot of Christ followers who didn't do a dang thing. Hashtag the Church of America. There's a lot of ungodly stuff going on. And it seems like the more it happens, the more the church gets quiet so we can be politically correct to get more people in the seats. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't want those lukewarm people in the seats. So I'm going to be honest. Homosexuality is wrong. Sexual promiscuity is wrong. I don't care what you identify as. You're either one or the other. And we're all clapping at that, but I'll also tell you like it is. Tithing, you don't have to do it, but it works. And just because you pull one scripture out of the New Testament that says give as you led, that don't mean it eradicates law. It means it fulfills the law. How does it fulfill the law? I will tithe a seed so that in Malachi it says the seed eater is rebuked so that every offering I give as I led to give can prosper because the ground ain't cursed. There comes a time when you got to decide, where am I at? I don't even know. Yeah. When you have to decide, am I willing to submit to the authorities and let them carry out their punishments on me as I stand for what's right without rebelling? And that includes the church looking smaller and smaller and smaller. Because the more we stand on solid ground, the more people ain't going to like our version of what solid is. Why do you think he's looking for a remnant Romans 13, 3. The authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear? The authorities do what's right. They'll honor you. They come against those who go against law, their law. You don't have to live in fear when you submit to their law. But when you have to stand for God, don't be surprised by them carrying out a law that protects what they view as right and wrong. But are you willing to be a living sacrifice in the event that you have to submit to a law that rebukes truth? Peter did, got freed from jail. Jesus did, freed from the grave. And you got that too. 
Look at Acts 20, 20 through the 24. Now I am a captive to the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem without really knowing what will happen to me there. This is Paul. Yet I know that the Holy Spirit warns me in town after town. Chains and afflictions are prepared for you. But whether I live or die is not important. Church, whether we live or die is not important. I don't esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. Paul is saying in Romans, I've been there. I was willing to die for truth. You can tell the posture of your submission to authorities by when you're willing to sacrifice everything that you deem is worthy for rebellion. If there was a threat of your life, as in you can no longer own a house and you can no longer live in freedom and you've got to go to prison for the rest of your life or you're going to be put on death row because God forbid you said it was wrong to kill babies with abortion. That stuff, I believe, it's coming. Are you willing? My life is not so important. What's important is in this moment, you can kill me government, but I want everyone to know this is wrong and I want God to get glory, not my life. What is more important to you? You can tell what's important to you by how you submit. Is this too hard? Look at verse 4. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. If you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid for they have power to punish you. They're God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what's wrong. The way authorities serve God is carry out punishment for sin. Okay? We are to submit to that. But there's also a day when government changes their ideas of what to punish. And they, be, and they begin to walk out of their purpose as authority. You see, you got to change the way you think. All authority doesn't always mean specific people. It's the principle of why authority exists. Are y'all following? When the government fails to consistently function as the servant of holding man's sin in check, when the government consistently calls sin good, it opens the nation up to God's judgment and God's correction. So, instead of rebelling yourself to prove your point, let God avenge himself by your submission and your honor. But we got to do something. Submit. Well, I don't want to I don't want to be someone who just let Submit. God's better than you. He's more powerful than you. He's, he's, he thinks in different ways. His knowledge supersedes yours. You don't know a dang thing. See, it's hard for us to clap because this is like one of those, mm, like, you, mm. I don't even know what mm is, but it's a mm. Let God avenge himself. Look at verse 5. You must submit to them. 
not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes. Can I be real transparent? For years, I did not pay my taxes. And I didn't do it because I wanted all the money for myself. Someone spoke a word over me uh, about probably a year ago that said, there's going to be stupid financial blessings coming your way. And you know what it all started with? After I had done what? Paid years and years and years of taxes. Is it okay to be transparent? I ain't perfect. And those of you that are, hypocrites. When I got it all in line, the prophetic word came to pass. Okay. Pay your taxes to, for the same reasons, government workers need to be paid. I'm going to let y'all sit on that one. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor those who are in authority. You don't get to decide what you get to put your treasure to based on what you agree with or not. And when you pay your taxes, I know that this is probably just like basic, but hear the principle. You're in agreement that God is using the government to accomplish his will. Even if you don't agree with where the government's going. Let me explain that. Even if his will does not look advantageous to you, you're coming into agreement with his plan, not your ideals. Because Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That's not just your tithe. When I, pay, when I give my tithe and pay my taxes, I am in submission to all principal authorities. It's not just I got to pay my taxes. It's my treasure shows that I'm submitting to processes that I quite frankly hate. But God, I trust you. Make sense? Once you get in this alignment, you can start to focus on other stuff. Because it's really easy to get consumed with government, especially when it's corrupt. And we need to remember something that maybe not all of you are going to like, but just here it is. Jesus did not come to restore Rome. He came to bring his kingdom. He came to restore his kingdom. He didn't come to restore America. Hear me out. He came to restore his kingdom, and what America could be is a fruit of his kingdom being restored. There is such a thing as too much national pride when you pride your nation over God's will. Amen. He doesn't need the nation to restore his kingdom to the nations. All he needs is a remnant of people who will follow him in ways that we do not understand, like submitting to corrupt leadership, but not obeying it. At the end of verse 7, it says, Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. 
You are not called to agree, but you are called to honor and respect. Now here's where it gets interesting, as if it's not interesting enough. Is this, is this making sense? Okay. Over and over in this passage, we keep hearing the word authority. I'm going to read it out real quick. Submit to governing authorities. All authority comes from God. Those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Authorities don't strike fear in people who are doing right. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what's right. The authorities are God's servant. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. The Greek word for authority is a word called exousia. And it means this. The ability or strength with which one is endured or endowed. The ability or the right to exercise power. In other words, all authority is delegated. The only way someone can exercise authority in any means is that God gave us the ability to govern. He created Adam and Eve, govern the earth. So all authority, all exousia is from him because no one will be able to do with anything that they were not graced to have. Not by your earning of good or bad, but simply your grace to govern. Adam and Eve were graced to govern. They governed really good up until Eve started hearing a hiss. And then they governed it wrong and messed the whole deal up. It's not necessarily talking about the chosen ones to act in it. It's simply the idea that if you're exercising an authority, it's because God chose you to be able to do it. Because you never had the authority. He said, I have the authority. Mankind, do something with it. Here's what I'm getting to. Ephesians 6.12. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities. Exousia. Of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. You're not wrestling with a corrupt leader. You're wrestling with unseen authorities whispering to people allowed to carry out authority in a wrong way. Jesus didn't say, get behind me, Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan, because in a moment he knew where those words were coming from. And it wasn't from Peter. It was the whispers of an authority in an unseen realm. Well, wait a minute. You just said that God gave all authority. Are you telling me that he gave demons and Satan authority? Job chapter 1. <laughs> I know this is long, but deal with it. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. 
He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God. He stayed away from evil. He had seven sons, three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxes, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He wasn't that the richest person in the entire area. That's pretty good. Job's son would take turns preparing feasts in their homes. They would invite their sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He'd get up early in the morning, offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. That was Job's regular practice. He was covering his family. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before God, and Satan came with them. Do you realize that everything Satan is doing, he has to get permission? Because authority don't come out of the air. It comes from who? God. <laughs> And look at God. Where you come from? I can imagine God. Didn't you like fall from light, like lightning? Like, where you come from, the Lord asked. Satan answered, I've been patrolling the earth. Satan was giving an account. I was patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. The Lord asked Satan, oh, you've been watching everything going on? Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless. He's a man of integrity. He fears God. He stays away from evil. Satan replied, yeah, but Job's got a good reason to fear you, God. You're always putting a wall of protection around him. You're putting a protection around his home and his properties. You made him prosper and everything. He Look how rich he is. Of course he's going to honor you, God. But if you reach out and take away everything he has, he's going to curse your face, God. All right. Test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence with what? Permission. Authority. So one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived with news. Your oxen were plowing when the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals, killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another messenger came up. The fire of God's fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was talking, another guy came. Three bands of Chaldean raiders stole your camels, killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped. Another guy came. Your sons and your daughters were feasting in their brother's home. Suddenly a wind swept in from the wilderness, hit the home. Your house collapsed. All the children are dead. I'm the only one to tell you. Job stood up, tore his robe in grief. He shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. I've come naked from my mother's womb I'll be naked when I leave the Lord gave me what I had the Lord has taken it away praise the name of the Lord and all this Job did not sin by blaming God why did he praise God when everything got taken away because when you're submitted to God you understand there's more going on than what meets the eye and at the end of the story, even though Job lost everything, everything got restored with more than before. Why did he allow Satan and demons to take everything from Job? 
for the glory of God. Because Satan said, he ain't going to give you glory if you take everything. And God says, I know, Job. So this is what I got to say to everything going on in America. God, let me rob this and let me rob that and let me take this away and let, and let people think that men are women and women are men and let them think that pedophiles can do what they want and let them think that they can kill babies. And you're going to see that they don't love you when God says, I know my remnant. You know what true revival is? The remnant showing no matter what, he gets glory. You see, authority's been allowed to operate because there's a purpose behind what's going on for glory. Don't think that because a leader is corrupt that God has turned his back. He knows exactly what he allowed and he knows the outcome because he knows the remnant. And when we set our eyes on his kingdom and not ours, we can focus on issues at hand. Like verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love each other. If you love your neighbor, you'll fulfill the requirements of God's law. Commandments say don't commit adultery. Don't murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other commandments are summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, it's not about that you can't borrow money. He says, the only debt you're to carry is to simply love each other. Love each other. Love everyone like yourself. If you kill yourself, there's a lack of love for you. So, in the same way, don't murder. He says, don't commit adultery. Don't commit sexual immorality because it reveals a lack of love of you. The fact of the matter is, he says, if you're breaking my law, it shows how much you don't love yourself. So get lost in who I am so you can fall in love with the you that you don't know. See, we got to start looking at the whys of sin instead of sin. It says you do these things because there's a lack of revelation of your worth. You don't think you're powerful enough to get through the situation, so you do it with a smoke or a drink. It reveals your lack of worth. You say you trust me, but you're rebelling against the thing I asked you to submit to. Everyone in this room has had conversations at dinners when we're talking bad about leadership. Any form of leadership. I know none of y'all ever talk about church leadership. <laughs> you know, just government leadership. I know what y'all say. I hear everything. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> what you submit to God said, you want to love them like you? Love, love your neighbor like yourself. Some of your neighbors are people that you don't like. Some of your neighbors are people who do not honor God. If we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, what do you think that means of how we're to treat a leader who is totally corrupt? 
submit, but never compromise on how you obey God. And in submission, you don't talk about how horrible of a person they are. You start praying that they will come to the realization of who they truly are because they obviously do not know. If I can be honest, like I need your permission to be honest. <laughs> I definitely did not vote for Joe Biden. And this message ain't, this is just easy to talk about. But when people like me who didn't vote for him start talking about his worth and start talking about how he don't even remember this and remember that and he got this and he got Alzheimer's. He don't know what the heck he's doing. Are you honoring anything in that? I don't remember Jesus going up the hair and going, man, you ain't even a leader, man. You suck at leading. Like, no. He, he's just, but we're to be Christ-like. And here we are. All we do is talk about everything that we don't agree with. We bash them and we dishonor them. And you wonder why the church is still trying to go somewhere with this country. Because we're not revealing Jesus. We're revealing our flesh. You know the, the best way to reveal Jesus sometimes? Shut up. Well, I think, I don't care what you think. I care about what God has told me to do. Verse 10, love those no wrong to others who so fulfill the requirements of the God's law. It's easy to do all the right religious things and neglect love. That's what the church has been guilty of. We come together and worship and we give our tithes and we try to do this, but we don't love even the things that we're called to be in submission to. When are we going to wake up? I kid around all the time about the get woke, but like at some point we've got to get woke. Like, like not in that way, but like the biblical way. And that's actually how this whole passage closes. Look at this in verse 11. All of this, the submission, the love, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is and time is running out. Wake up. Get woke. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Listen to this. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, of sexual promiscuity, immoral living, or in quarreling, or even in jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in your evil desires. Think about this for a second. You can do a lot of things while you're sleeping. You can sleepwalk. You can talk in your sleep. You can hear things in your sleep. People do a lot of strange things when they're sleeping. If you ever seen me halfway asleep, I look possessed. <laughs> you can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of religious things and never be awake. And when you wake up, what do you do? In the morning, you get, you get dressed. 
When you wake up, you get dressed in accordance of what your plan is for the day. If you wake up and you're going to the beach, you get dressed in a different way than waking up and going to work, some of you. So what does he say? You can stay asleep and do all the religious duty. Or you can wake up and put on the right clothes for the day. Remove the dirty clothes. Get dressed for the occasion. Get clothed in the presence of God. And when you clothe yourself in his presence, you start to make different decisions. You respond differently. You represent the true authority in your life and in this world. This is a very simple message. This is about the true authority of God. This is not about what you want to do or what you think is right. This is about trust God. All authority comes from him. So submit. He doesn't turn his back on you. He will not leave you high and dry. He will accomplish all his purposes for the remnant that says, I'm going to wake up. And today... I'm dressed for the occasion. It's not about my agenda. It's not about I'm trying to make this happen or make this known. God, I am dressed for whatever you want to do through my life. So I will submit and I will honor and I believe, God, that you will get glory in everything I'm doing. So let's give honor to the one with true authority, our great God. Amen? Let's stand. Can we give God praise tonight? Thank you, Lord.